You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. So I got to hand Dark Phoenix this. It is definitely closer to the comic book version than X3 is, which X3's version of Dark Phoenix was like, look, it's Dark Phoenix. That's about it. And then they forgot about her for most of the movie. Yeah. She was like a a supplemental character. (laughs) Yeah, that is. She's pretty focused in on this movie. Well, yeah. You follow her throughout. I mean, in this particular one, I mean, the title of the movie, Dark Phoenix, you're like, okay. But even then, like... Dark Phoenix isn't interesting unless there was Phoenix at one point. Yeah, they, that, that's part of the problem. They like they they say the word Phoenix once in the entire movie, and this is now supposed to carry it. And that's why it's called Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Right, and even then, it's not like it's a throwaway line. Yeah, it's a throwaway line. It's just like, yeah. hey, guess what? These people are calling you Phoenix. This is like the, the equivalent of the in Solo, where the guy's like, "Oh, all right, your name is Han Solo." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, really? That yeah. was the explanation. But the thing I love is like the kids are calling. The, no, they're fucking not. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously doubt that. That was super forced. But we are reviewing. Yes, the. You know, I would. I'm just going to say final film in the X Men universe because uh, New Mutants was scheduled to come out before this originally, and even then, that was very much a spinoff, mm-hmm. um, and that may not even get a theatrical release at this point. Yeah, it's so, not looking great. But certainly, at the very least, in the the primary timeline of these X Men characters, this is the final film we're going to see from Fox because, as we all know, Disney bought Fox, which includes the X Men characters, and have announced. No, we are not going to be bringing this iteration of these characters into the MCU, but eventually we'll do our own take on it. So, I mean, there's a certain amount of, like, sadness here, because I I know I've enjoyed a lot of the X-Men movies along the way, and I've really despised some of them, too. I've liked some more, and the, some I really enjoy, and then there's a whole lot of crap in there. But on this one, I've got my buddy Harris, Dr. Nerdlove, with hey me. Hey, And i got my buddy Alan from Deliberations of Doom. Hello. And, uh, yeah, I was honestly kind of surprised more people didn't want to sign up for this. Like, it's still a big Marvel superhero movie. Well, what's weird is, like, I was talking about it before the movie, it's... I haven't seen much promotion for this thing either. It seems like they're yeah. really to, like, and eh, let's get this thing out of here and it's done now. But it's weird because it is still X-Men. It's a very popular franchise. Like, the ups and downs of quality notwithstanding, like, it's been around since the year 2000, we just read. That's a long running franchise. Yeah, almost with, 20 made years. a lot of money and yeah, it has fans out there for these movies, I oh, know. certainly. X-Men have always been a cash cow in the Marvel comics for sure. There's been multiple different animated television shows. Yeah. There was a television show that was on Fox I thought was pretty good called The, the Gifted. That yeah, they, first season was so great. Second canceled. season, eh, still okay. It was just not as good. But here's the thing. This movie felt to me like it just as easily could have just been a crunched up season of a television show X-Men. Yeah, it kind of has that Game of Thrones final season. Well, gotta get everybody where they gotta go. Wrap it up. (laughs) Ironically, also featuring Sophie Turner. Right. Who, of course, is playing the the titular character Dark Phoenix. Of course, we know her previously as Jean Grey or Marvel Girl. Do they ever even call her Marvel Girl in the movie? No, I think they only ever just call her Not since the beginning. She's always been Jean Grey, I think, in the movies. But the the core cast of the since, since, um, uh, 
well, God, what was the movie they first introduced? First class. first class is here with James McAvoy. He's playing Professor X. Michael Fassbender eventually shows up as Magneto. Jennifer Lawrence as Raven, Darkholm, or Mystique. Nicholas Holt as Hank McCoy slash Beast. Um, Ty Sheridan as Scott Summers slash Cyclops. Je- uh, uh, Jean Grey's love interest. Alexandra, Alexandra Ship as uh, Storm. Cody Smith-McPhee as Nightcrawler, Evan Peters as Quicksilver, and here introducing Jessica Chastain as... Generic villain generic number villain one. Generic villain number one. Yeah. Does she ever even have a name? I don't think so. Uh, yeah, She's she, throwing a house party, so I, we'll call her just the house partier. Yeah. Well, I don't like, know, the opening of the movie, I don't know what she is. I mean, this movie weirdly starts off with, and maybe it's just been too... I, I just don't remember the events of the last X-Men movie well enough, but with... The whole world loves the X Men. Yeah. They've got action figures, and they like they save these they, astronauts. Yeah, they've in got space. marketing deals, and there's the X line to the president. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They've got the Bat Phone. <laughs> Which honestly, the opening of this movie is—I was surprised. I was pretty on board. Like the opening of this movie, the X Men are on a mission to save. I don't want to spoil this, but they're they're called to a mission by like the president. Yeah. We're going to do it. It's in the trailer. In space, <laughs> and everyone loves either. them, and they have the uniforms, and they're going to space to be heroes. And I was like. This is cool. This is like an X-Men, like, it's kind of what you want out of these movies, X-Men being superheroes. Right. Um, I mean, a traditional thing in these movies is always, like, no matter how hard they try, people still hate them. Yeah. But it was unusual for that to be kind of unearned, that it was like, wait, suddenly the world loves them? Where wait, did that come and from? And that gets me to the problems with this movie, is it feels like it's the third or fourth movie in a series of movies that we just have not seen. Right. But they're like, up there. There's no consistency with the series. They're up there in space, and... uh Jean is like the person who needs to be on board the other ship that where they're saving these astronauts to hold it together with her psychic powers. And because there's some weird thing that was described as a sun solar flare, but clearly it's just, yeah. well, I guess Galactus. I don't know. It's a <laughs> giant fart cloud in space. Yeah, exactly. Like Galactus in yeah. the last Fantastic Four movie. And it all enters into her and you're like, oh, that's the Phoenix Force. If you read the comics, you know, this intergalactic space entity of ultimate power. Which, you know, is given very short shrift as far as background. But anyway, so they're like, oh my god, she's okay somehow. And she's like, no, actually, I feel great. I don't know. That's all weird. But it's like 20 seconds later and like glowing cracks start appearing in her face and her eyes are glowing orange and she's causing chaos everywhere. And not to be, not to spoil the specifics of it, but through her this experience, it opens up some memories that she discovered, which is very in line with the comics, although not the Phoenix run per se, that Xavier had messed with her mind when she was a little girl to basically in a very obviously hasn't studied psychology enough sort of way. Well, don't worry. We'll just wall off all yeah. these tra- traumatic memories you have from your yeah, childhood. Yeah, it'll be fine. We'll get, we're just going to suppress this really horrible horrible moment from your childhood. Right. But this causes massive rage in her, and as her powers are are starting to come up, which is sort of like, you know, is, is at best dimly considered as being an alien intelligence. Like at best, yeah. but, uh, she starts causing chaos, and in the path of of that rage, one of the X Men dies because of it accidentally, albeit. But still, that's enough. Even though everyone witnessed this clearly an accident scene for to fly into a rage and decide she needs to die. Yeah. Some <laughs> characters were, make they some were straight up trying to murk her before they that even happened. Like, right. They went from she's our friend, we've got to help her to fuck this within like. <laughs> A span of seconds. Yeah, and that's where the movie really falls apart. Because, like, I was pretty on board with the first act. Like, I talked about the opening and being down for that. I like the pathos of, like, Xavier being kind of a shithead about this. 
And it was like, the emotions and the performances, everything was good. I was like, this is unearned from the previous movies that we've seen, but they're trying really hard, and it's sort of working. And then it all falls apart, like, in one scene. Which, in, like, a snap of a finger, it all just falls to shit. And it's odd that it feels so rushed to this point, because uh, while a lot of these threads are things that have been in the comics at various different points, for sure... Writer, director Simon Kinberg, who's famous best, best, this is the debut as a director and it shows, um, he wrote mo- the bulk of the previous films and you're like, well, if anyone should know what, what point we're at in the story, it should be you. But stuff like, yeah, like, oh, Xavier, like, not really understanding what's right and what's wrong with the use of his powers is something that in the comics built up over a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is like all of a sudden like, oh, and everyone's like, you did what? Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's the thing. The thing you just said about it, like things being unearned, that's this entire movie. Characters switch sides for no goddamn reason. They change their motivation out of nowhere. One character says, I had a change of heart. Okay, why? <laughs> because someone asked you to? Because that's really all that happened. Just It wasn't even like a terribly motivating speech. It was like, no, there's still good in her. I know it. Okay, you convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even so, like like I said, like you can't make effective the pathos of Phoenix work if we are completely... We have very little feelings about Jean Grey. This is the storyline that's supposed to build up, including her romance with Colossus, which also just kind of... Cyclops. which just kind of happened. Yeah, like, you know? and it happened remind apparently off-screen yeah. because now they're living together. Yeah. Remind me when he was introduced in the series, did he show up he was just in, in Apocalypse or Days of Future Days Past? Days of Future Past. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, huh. like, all of this is like, oh, we skipped a whole bunch to get here, which really only will make sense at all if you were like a religious reader of the comics and you knew where this was going, which I guess is a certain portion of the audience. But yeah, nonetheless, but if also if those are re- things you wanted to see play out over time. Yeah, but also if you're a religious reader of the comics and if you were like me, <laughs> old, and read the original Dark Phoenix saga when it came out, you know what's going to happen. And, well, this ain't no Dark Phoenix saga. No, I mean, it tries. It touch- hits the touchstones. It's one of the big mistakes is really that like I said, that pathos isn't there. We don't really know Jean Grey. We don't really care about Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things about Dark Phoenix is that she was Phoenix first, and it was really cool for everyone. Everyone yeah. was like, wow, this is badass. You know, new powers. You're really powerful. That's cool. Everyone's kind of ex- nervous but excited. And that went on for a while before yeah, they was- actually got to, shit, something's, something's wrong. This is, uh, uh, and I kind of would have liked to have seen that get introduced three movies ago yeah. and as well as like I said take some time for some actual character development for Jean there which there's next which to is none the, you know, and it's a shame too because I think that she is like quite good in this movie mm-hmm. like, but, like in the last movie I thought she was kind of bland and not you. I mean it's she's not much of a character in it she's like a prop in the last movie if I remember correctly yeah and in this one she's given stuff to do and I think she carries it pretty well but it's not really her fault that it all falls flat because it's none of it's like we're talking about. It's not earned. It's this like it moves. This so is fast. it now, and she's performing it well. But it's still it doesn't matter if nothing is set up to be knocked down. And in the original book, there was a lot of like the part of the reason why she starts to break is because this character named Mastermind, who was slowly manipulating her and tweaking her emotions, and ended up kind of being like maybe this never would have happened if he hadn't have been involved. Like like made her go to Dark Phoenix. 
Like here, there's no mastermind character. This Jessica Chastain, which inexplicably they dress, they made look like the White Queen. I'm like, why would you do that when she's a well-known character in the series? But <laughs> inexplicably, yeah, for some reason, they made her like platinum blonde and dyed her eyebrows. Yeah, I was like, that's the before White she queen. becomes the doing? alien. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So she's yeah, she was a human, and then she's possessed by these aliens from. They explain it later. It's whatever. It's one of those really like exposition moments that you're like, okay, and but yes, nameless alien shapeshifter people. It's like that the all-time generic villain. Oh, like, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a more generic villain in any of the superhero it's movies that have come. Pretty. Hard. I mean, it makes the the dark elves in Thor: The Lost World. I mean, they show well up and they're kind of like a CGI brown that melds into the background, and right. then they take human shape, and that's. Like, that's so... They look like the greys if they were made of wood. Yeah. It's, <laughs> or bacon. Yeah. yeah. Or bacon. They, they, they literally blend in to the background of the movie visually and, like, literally yeah, and metaphorically. And at first, nothing. like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool, whatever. But they make such a big deal out of, like, oh, no, the aliens are coming, it's gonna be bad, and it's the most mediocre thing ever. Yeah, they're just, there's nothing to them. They're really there just with, like, to be included later in the script type feeling. And why not just include Mastermind? I mean, yeah. I get it, because that works better over a long time, but oh yeah, you should have done that and, too. And, and they're there <laughs> just so there's people to fight at the end. Yeah, right. I, like, really. And w- what it all comes to, he, she's not even a Mastermind character. She does this one, oh yeah, those guys don't understand you, oh, I'll listen. Yeah. You know, like, come on. It, it's just, it's so pointless. Although it leads to one of the only scenes in the movie that I even kind of enjoyed action-wise, because every action scene in this movie before the scene is just people pointing at stuff and then special effects doing something. Oh, yeah. There were like, so uh, many like, aggressive pose-offs. Yeah, there were. <laughs> there's a there's a scene where it's Michael Fassbender and Sophie Turner seeing who can milk the giant cow better right. in order to either hold down or throw away a helicopter. I, I mean, it's there's a lot of stuff like that. You're like, okay, we're just watching actors stand around. There's no sense of like even in in Marvel and DC films when there are CG characters, they're at least the camera's following them physically, like pummeling yeah. each other and like, moving there. around yeah. each other. This they're just standing there pointing at things. But that, there's a fight on a train that does have some cool stuff, largely with Magneto, who gets to show that side when you really piss Magneto off. Well, you don't want to do that. <laughs> and yeah. and with um, uh, Nightcrawler, who actually finally gets to go off and be kind of a badass. Yeah. I mean, there's but it speaks again to the Incas. Like last movie. Magneto, like, lifted an entire stadium. Right. And in this movie, he's like, you seem kind of struggling with a train. And it's like, right. uh, I mean, where are we at here? Like, you know, like, I can lift an entire stadium. This one subway car is, like, a big feat now. And this just speaks to these movies. They, they're so inconsistent on all levels, like, power levels. Painting themselves in the corner. They seem to, like, since the beginning, be structured around who's the most famous actor. Yeah. And what's the best character to be developed. Like, the fact that Mystique is... Because Jennifer Lawrence popped and she was really big, so now she's a very ma- major character, part right. of the X Men. Is it doesn't make any sense story wise, right? No, I, I yeah. I, as and we, here we are, like in this last movie, she's supposed they to make insinuations that she's eventually going to turn away from Charles, and yeah. there's some discussion of that here. But even so, it's a thing that's like this should have happened three movies ago. Yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't do that because she's the biggest star we have right, right. now. And, and there's a yeah. weird moment because they're like, okay, this is largely a white cast we've got here. And there's a moment they're going out to do a thing and Storm's like, I'm coming. And Xavier's like, no, you're not. And then Cyclops is like, we don't have any black people here, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm sorry, that's what that read. It, it really exactly. it felt weird. And and and, and, and this Storm- is a movie where the people of color are mostly blue. Yeah, there's a lot of blue X Men now. Holy shit! Yeah, it's like three of there's them. There's three in one shot, and it was it, that. That actually was worth seeing on the base screen. It looked really goofy. It was, I, I it was laugh out loud funny. Yeah. It really but yeah. Was. Like the moment, there are so many wasted moments in this, and just like what was the point of that? Like two of the characters that uh, show up with Magneto to have the first confrontation with Jean Grey. Do they ever give them names? Uh, no, but like if you look in the cast, apparently, yeah, uh, Celine, who is a ridiculously powerful, dangerous mutant in the books and every previous iteration, and here is just a flunky. Yeah, like in the book, she's uh, like a vampire. Yeah, she's like one of the big, big X Men adversaries, and then Red Lotus, who I was like, I have never heard of yeah, that see, character. The like, there's eight billion. There's so X-Men. many more interesting X Men villains, or like. Characters in these books. Like, I kind of thought that was supposed to be Omega Red, honestly. I, I don't know. Who knows? They man. both got red in the name. <laughs> Maybe. It's a constant problem in these movies. Yeah, I mean, like, that was, like, to some degree felt like the thing in X3 where there's, like, suddenly 30 other, yeah. like, characters that you can recognize by their power set who they are, but, like, are never even given screens on, yeah. screens and, online. And they're treated as such that, like, there are times in these movies where I. I'm not sure if they're actually holding a comic book or if they're just yeah. a completely generic made-up mutant. Yeah. And I can't tell the difference, which is a problem. He has Snake Dread guys in this one, which was like, that's the last, I was like, is his name Snake Dread? Because it feels like it should be Snake Dread. It was something. Like Med- Medusa head. And just all, like, and suddenly this guy whose power is he's got really long dreadlocks is actually giving Storm a hard time. I know, that was like, come on. And oh yeah, can I mention Storm's powers in this don't seem so much as calling down lightning to strike people as, um, like every electrical, every scene with electric, electricity in Star Trek The Next Generation. You know, <laughs> that w- weird generic, I can shoot electricity. It's like, well, no, you channel lightning. That yeah. feels like it would it's, be different. It's very much like the Emperor shooting lightning out of his fingers and it's like it's just like this is like gotcha like a raiden thing it's not right. it's not and evoking this the nature around you and the weather yeah, and hard as it gets it's just zapping like, lightning do you, there's a reason why people consider storm a goddess yeah. because she calls up the fury of the weather yeah. whenever she starts doing stuff and here it's just like zap yeah it's really <laughs> un- and she's, just so many of the characters are just ineffective like does like it, so many wasted moments, so many times of like build up to be like, okay, they're supposed to be these badasses and do absolutely nothing, and it relationships that just mean that we're supposed to care because they told us they're in a relationship, right? Yeah, like just that the whole like a lot of this the core of the emotional split between people about what to do with Gene is like who's in love with who. And that's because of the sides they take. And you're like, yawn. Mm. <laughs> like, who cares? This was unearned. We didn't get here. The movie keeps acting as if we're really emotionally with it and our feeling pathos for this. But there's literally no way to feel emotion for what's going on here. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame because we've been following these characters, well, most of them, for a long time. And God help you, they're trying in this movie. They they're really are. So and it's nice to see them at least trying to do a more accurate Dark Phoenix story, which is... One of the most famous and best runs in the entire history of the X-Men, certainly, and definitely one of the most dramatic runs in comic book history. But what you end up with is, I hate to say it, but like you said, or at least people, certain people's perception of Game of Thrones, boy, this felt super rushed and crunched into one thing. It felt like the synopsis of an entire season, or more than one season of television. It feels like the synopsis of the Dark Phoenix saga, and 
part of the problem I had with this is that if you're going to do Dark Phoenix, not only do you need to have it go over enough length of time that you actually care about the fact that Gene, A, got powers, B, is starting to lose control, C, has gone evil, not all in the same damn movie, but also it needs to feel cosmic. Mm-hmm. The whole point of, even if you're not going to in- introduce the Shi'ar or whatever, it needs to feel like taking down Gene is a world-ending event. Right. Not just something kind of inconvenient. See, now that would have been an interesting take on it as well. It's like, they introduce these aliens which have never previously been part of the X-Men universe that I've been able to read, read anywhere. Like, you know, there actually are a lot of aliens in the X-Men universe who are really deeply tied into the Phoenix storyline as it goes along, like the <laughs> Shi'ar, which would have been much more interesting, but no. Yeah, see, but even for me, like, I, I almost found the smaller scale of this movie kind of nice because superhero movies, there's been a lot of them and the stakes are so huge. And the fact that, and at least initially, they were kind of going for more personal stakes, fine, if that's the decision you're going to make. But none of the emotion lands because nothing's set up correctly. So if, if you're not going to set up the emotion correctly to have this smaller stakes story feel big, go nuts and make it huge, like world-ending big. Like, either one or the other. You can't have it be dull and small. I mean, you and, know, and like, Phoenix should be the biggest threat like, possibly in the universe, right? Yeah. And here, there's points she's, she and Magneto are struggling to balance each other's powers. You're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to, like, she's just another generic big bad. But that's the problem with the movie is Michael Fassbender has been one of the most developed characters in the series. Yeah. He's one of the biggest stars. Now, in world, it makes no sense. But in, like, Hollywood eyes, right. you're walking, walking, watching these two stars battle they need to be equal, but it doesn't make sense in story. And a lot of it might have to do with, quite simply, they were probably pretty darn sure before they even started production on this that this might be the last one. Yeah. Which then doesn't make any sense, because you would think if this is going to be their last shot, they would just throw everything at it. You know, go over the top. Don't just kill off one character. Kill off hundreds. Yeah. Like, clean the slate so it feels like there's some stakes and that you've gone through the wars by the time it's over. Yeah, maybe. I thought about that, too. But I'm See, also, like, sometimes I hate when things do that, too. Where they're like, oh, we're ending, so let's just kill everybody. Like, ah. And the problem is they kind of already did that in the last, like, in X-Men 3. Yeah, that's and, true. Or in Days of Future Past. <laughs> like, they've, like, the series is just so all over the place that there, there, there's no satisfying ending to the saga in this. I just wish they gave me, like... A halfway decent movie. And what we got was a basically meh to mediocre film. Yeah. But let's go to final thoughts. Harris, get us started. This movie was not just aggressively mediocre when it was at its best. It was just unearned plot moments and wasted potential and drop plot lines. The the whole movie starts off in the first act, everybody loves the X-Men. By the second act, they're ready to throw everybody in jail. You're like, wait, there was the X-Men fought someone. We have no idea what happened, but some things got exploded. Capture all the X-Men! And the, the internment camp. Yeah. yeah, they go from like loving them to internment camps within the span of like one act. And nothing happens with that. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously done because they couldn't have them go to the blue, si- the dark side of the moon or the blue area of the moon and have them fight the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. But it still comes off as just like, wait, I, I thought we were going to go somewhere with this. What what happened? Is just everybody loves the X Men again by the end, and then they're just all these cool like. 
the little cool moments that stand out in otherwise a blah film, like Magneto just casually wiping the floor with generic aliens from generic, like Planet Generica, <laughs> looked really cool and made me wish that we'd finally gotten that Magneto Nazi Hunter movie that they've been promising us for forever. It was Generica 5 from the Generica <laughs> system. There you go. <laughs> and just it was there was no feeling to it and nobody gave a shit with the exception of Sophie Turner god love her she was trying so hard mm-hmm. and James McAvoy like they were work- they were acting their asses off with subpar material oh there was some really poorly written dialogue in this oh thing. yeah Holy crap. Anyway, continue. And just the whole thing. And like I said, I am admittedly, I went into this with a bad taste in my mouth because the trailers tell you everything. And you can tell where they reshot shit because there are some points where the trailers are very, like, lead you to believe one thing. And they've, it's pretty clear that they had to go back and change some things because there were some last minutes. Oh, hey, this is a little too close to another superhero movie. Maybe we should fix that. And to be perfectly honest, I'm kind of wondering if that's Shazam because they stole the opening from Shazam. True. The same fucking car crash. This whole thing was a disappointment to me as someone who loved the original Dark Phoenix saga, who really loved the Cockrum Claremont era. I was hoping that maybe they could at least capture some of the magic, even if they weren't going to do the full, full bore space opera craziness. And they didn't. It's, like I said, it's aggressively mediocre and a couple of glimpses of what might have been if they had slightly more confidence and more faith in the material. This is three out of ten McCran crystals. What about you, Alan? Um, yeah, so hearing you talk about it, I think this movie is, in a way, like the perfect last movie to sum up the X-Men franchise because how inconsistent and just wrong-minded so many of these movies have been. Like, I think the only movie in this entire franchise that I truly love is First Class. It was like a good reset. It's like, okay, X3 sucked. Let's get them young. Let's set them in the 60s. We got a new... Fr- and then... Right. It that felt movie, fresh. That movie was successful and critically uh, like liked. So what they do is like, let's use that goodwill to bring in all the old cast members. Ryan Singer's back. And let's just ramp that up again and mu- muddy the waters. So it's a bad... It's like the wise thing would be is like, let's go 10 years later. And now we're in the 70s. Third one, let's go in the 80s. Fourth one, this movie's in the 90s. Here's our wrap-up. But no, it gets muddied, and it's just wrong decisions. People are given way more screen time best on their, um, not the character they're playing, but on their popularity. They're huge stars. So, like, what do we have? We have Hank McCoy. Right. We have Professor X, Magneto, and Mystique. The other characters are, like, around. Nightcrawler gets a bit to do. A little bit, but, like, you know, but his character's not really developed, and... So, yeah, in a way, this movie is kind of, it's like the perfect summation. If you wanted to know, like, if someone asked you what were the action movies like, you'd be like, watch this one. You'll see some good stuff, a lot of bad stuff, and really ridiculous decisions made. And this kind of sums up it all. So um, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 10 inappropriately naked Mystique action figures. <laughs> yeah, that was like, hey, what are you doing? It's weird. Put the clothes yeah, back on that thing. Uh, okay. Um Jeez. I mean, this. I just kind of felt bored watching this play out. It's just, it felt like it was just going through the motions because they had to. And it's weird because it's not a, it's just not a small budget, 200 million, but boy, it sure looks like they didn't spend any of it. Yeah. Um, you're like, wow, where is that money? It all looks like a movie made, well, in 2000. 
I don't, I don't personally understand. Maybe that all went to the reshoots, which also didn't really fix anything, I guess. I mean, who knows? I don't know what the original version looked like. It's just, this has glimmers of coolness about it. There are some scenes that went, okay, that was fun. Like, but man, it just got, gets practically nothing right in terms of dialogue or character or plotting. It's just, it's not even that it's outright bad. It's just, poorly thought out and never quite pieces together. And that's a shame. This is a great story. And once again, they screwed it up. And I hope that if Kevin, once Kevin Feige and the MCU get a hold of this, they take their sweet ass fucking time getting to the Dark Phoenix story, piecing it out bit by bit and earning those parts. Because told correctly, it could be one hell of a heartbreaking story. But here... It's, you know, I mean, the, the X-Men animated version was more emotionally involving than this was. I will say one thing. This had about the same number of Gene as the animated version. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, uh, what is the name of the, the alien race that was basically a ripoff of aliens? Uh, the Brood. The Brood, yeah. I'm going to give this uh, three and a half out of ten times. I was like, wait, are they the Brood? Oh, shit, they're not. Because <laughs> that would have been the movie I would have liked to have seen next if the series, you know, if they gave a shit anymore. Oh, yeah. No, introduce Kitty Pride and then have her just, like, just her and the brood the entire time. There you go. <laughs> I'm in.